Today I speak with Mrs. Svenja Schulze, Germany's Federal Minister for Environment, Nature Conservation and Nuclear Safety. I think we need um, European climate law and we need to enhance our NDC, our National Determined Contribution. We have 40% uh, reduction in 2030. That's not enough because we want to be carbon neutral in 2050. So I think we have to deliver more. I talked to Minister Schulze about two of the most important items on the political climate agenda in Brussels this fall. Firstly, the European climate law and secondly, the EU's 2030 emission reduction target, discussions that she's leading as the present president of the European Council. Welcome to Planet A, a podcast on climate change. My name is Dan Jørgensen. I am Minister of Climate, Energy and Utilities in Denmark. In a series of conversations, I ask some of the world's leading experts, policymakers and activists how to stem climate change. We, the human species, are confronting a planetary emergency. For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. The reason I believe we need to act now is because the facts are staring us in the face. The time to answer humankind's greatest challenge is now. So this gives us the best possible shot to save the one planet we've got. There is no plan B because we do not have planet B. You're listening to Planet A, a podcast on climate change and what to do about it. Today I speak with Mrs. Svenja Schulze, Germany's federal minister for environment, nature conservation and nuclear safety. Before her appointment in 2018, Minister Schulze served as minister for innovation, science and research of the state of North Rhine-Westphalia for seven years. Right now, she's one of the world's most important decision makers in climate and energy politics. In her current job, Minister Schulze is facing the monumental task of decarbonizing Germany, Europe's largest economy. That is a tall order in and by itself. But as if that wasn't enough, Minister Schulze is also shouldering a vital international task, as Germany holds the presidency of the European Council for the autumn of 2020. The German presidency comes at a crucial moment for European politics in general and for climate politics in particular. So, Svenja, thank you so much for for joining me in this conversation. Yeah, hello, Dan. Let me let me start by congratulating you and and Germany on the very hard work that you're doing right now as president of the, the union. It's difficult times for obvious reasons, the COVID crisis. But on top of that, we have a very busy autumn with some extremely important decisions on uh, on climate change. So, thank you so much for for that hard and important uh, work. Uh, my first question to you is what are the most important decisions that we need to make within the next couple of months in the European Union? And then, first of all, thanks a lot for for inviting me. It's really an honor to discuss with you, to see you again and to to have this podcast. I think what is important, I think we need um, European climate law and we need to enhance our NDC, our National Determined Contribution. That is what we have to deliver for the Paris Agreement. And now we say we have 40% uh, reduction in 2030. That's not enough because we want to be carbon 
neutral in 2050. So I think we have to deliver more. And that is a hard discussion. We have different starting levels in the EU. And to do that with people who are on the way to be carbon neutral, we have member states who are on the way. And we have member states who still yeah, are um, have coal firing in a really hard way. They have Poland, 70% of their energy comes from coal firing. And to bring that together, that is really hard work, but we need to do it and we need to do it very fast. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. And and let's start by uh, talking a little bit about the climate law and then afterwards the, the reduction target. Uh, first of all, the climate law. Denmark has one. Uh, making it legally binding for us to reduce our emissions by 70% in 2030 and, and to become carbon neutral in 2050. Germany also has uh, a climate law and now we're trying to make one common climate law for the, for the entire uh, European uh, Union. Can you maybe help me explain to the, uh, the listeners why is it important having a legally binding uh, document like that? <laughs> I think you mentioned it because it is legally binding and it, it gives the, the security for all the ones who want to invest over years. And we need a lot of investments, not only from the public. We need investments from private investors too. And they need to be sure that the way is uh, that we will be carbon neutral, not only for the next year and the, and the, the year after or for a period of uh, a legislation. They need um, the, the security over 10, 20 years uh, to invest, to bring us on the right trajectory. I think therefore we need a binding climate law. That is the experience in, in Germany and Denmark and a lot of states. And I think we, we need it also on a European level. Yes, I, I, I obviously very much agree with you. Uh, I, I think that to make a legislation that will send so clear signals to the member states and to the markets and, and to the rest of the world is, is extremely important in itself. But I also think that it's important that we do it in a way so that we also create a framework that keeps us on track, so to speak. Can you say a few words about that from, from the president's uh, point of view? Yes, I think that that's right. You're absolutely right. We need to be on track. We need to pass the way to be carbon neutral. And therefore, we need these sessions now. We are the last generation who could really decide to do uh, do something against uh, the worldwide heat we, we see now and against climate change. And we have the responsibility to do so, to decide and to, to bring it on the right path. And therefore, we need these legally binding climate law. We need the discussion between each of us. As, as, as presidency, I have a lot of bilaterals with uh, really with all the member states. And I think it is really important to understand why our friends from Poland, from the Czech Republic have problems and why it's so hard for them. They can't do it in, in 10 years as we expect. And as a social democrat, I say we need this solidarity in the EU. We need to do that together. And uh, that's why we need this discussion. We need these bilaterals. We need to create a sort of momentum to, to really that, that everybody is trust us that we will do that together. Maybe I should just explain to international listeners that might not be totally up to date with how the European Union works that 
We have a system in which uh, member states take turn being president, and that's the reason why Germany has the presidency now. And this also means, of course, that you are leading the negotiations and the discussions. Uh, so when you mentioned that you have bilaterals, maybe you can help me explain to the, 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 the listeners a little bit more about that role. What exactly is your job as president? My job as a presidency now is for half a year. It's only for half a year. Time is running, really. For half a year to moderate uh, all the member states. And uh, as broker, as a moderator, I try to bring us all together to have um, laws to have uh, decisions uh, in the Environmental Council and that's the role we have now and uh, we work together with the next, the next will be Portugal and after that Slovenia and we do that in a, in a trial with three partner states because some of the decisions need a little bit more time than half a year so we, we really work together uh, with these three and uh, do congresses together, do bilateral discussions, well, bilateral means that we discuss with another state how we could help, what they need to agree to a climate law, what are their problems, and then to pass the way that they could decide to agree and, and what, we, what they need for that. And that's the role. <laughs> it's a, and it's a completely, uh, of course, uh, complicated task. It's difficult. There's many interests there. And as you mentioned earlier, also our countries are so different. But I think that I have come to the conclusion that things have changed in a very good direction in the sense that just 10 years ago, the differences internally in the European Union vis-a-vis -vis climate change issues were much bigger than today. At that time, we still had to even discuss whether or not climate change was a problem and, 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 and definitely how to deal with it. Now, I find that even though we do have differences and also in the levels of ambition, there's really a willingness to find the compromises. Uh, I think don't think there's any reason to hide that some Eastern European countries have been maybe less ambitious or, or more more skeptical towards the path that we're now on. But it seems like there's a new way of looking at these things so that it's considered that green transformation is considered widely as also a growth strategy. Would you would you agree with me in, in that? Yeah, I think it is really a constructive discussion. We are not fighting against each other. We are searching for ways how to make it possible. It's not if we do something. It is the way how we do it, in which, uh, uh, how much time we have, what we need to do first. So uh, that is the discussion we have. And I think that is really a step forward. And I think it's because of of our our people in the in our member states they they give us the backup we have a lot of use on the streets to say you need to act now we have the the industry we have uh, the economy who said we need you to be clear to say uh, us what is the way we have to go and this this pressure from our voters <laughs> this pressure is i think really good and it helps us to be in a very fair and open manner to discuss with Azra. And in on our, our environmental councils, I think it is a, really a good way. We accept each other. We know what are the problems. We have a really constructive dialogue um, to, to, to bring that forward. It is really serious um, and really open. Actually, I also think you can see this if you study how decisions are then made, because it's actually quite rare that we vote about something. Even though there are very strict, specific rules on how to make decisions in the European Union, usually we find compromises. And if you are part of a minority opinion, 
you know that you are, so you don't need to force a vote. You will actually instead try and get some of what you want into the final agreement so that everybody can can support it. And I think that's also the case with the with the climate law that, that we're negotiating right now. And, and then we make a lot of progress. If you see it two, three years ago and see it today, we make a lot of progress in, in mobility and energy. We have um, more together in these fields. We, we, uh, we know that we need wind and solar power. We know that we need public support. So we have a finance framing that is better than years before. We have the European Green Deal deal as a frame that everybody agrees so i think that the, the setting around us is really good oh i agree now of course the big controversial topic right now is uh, whether or not we should increase the eu's uh, 2030 target uh, compared to 1990 right now the target is to reduce by 40 percent, as you said earlier but but uh, some countries argue that it needs to be much higher. Denmark has argued 65%. I think uh, Germany has said at least 55 And the commission also proposed uh, at least uh, 55 So how do you see these negotiations uh, uh, moving along? Uh, as you said, we, we are in a hurry. And we need to make this decision within a few months because we also need to tell the United Nations how much we want to, to, to increase our target. As you mentioned, we need to pledge an NDC. And this is the number that we're talking about when we say NDC? I, I'm in the role of a moderator. I have to bring that together. And if I see what the commission proposed to us, at least 55%, the parliament said 60%. And uh, we have a lot of member states who are not really convinced that we need more than we have today. To bring that together, I think we, we make really big steps in the last meeting. We make steps over the last months. But uh, I think that there are really good arguments to have did as this at least 55% and go with that in the negotiation in the, the parliament. I, I'm not sure if we reach that. Uh, I think it, it would be good to have, if we could get more than 55%, it would be fantastic, but I'm not really sure that it's possible. And I would be very happy, really very happy, if we get the 55% in December, at least 55% in December. Yeah, I think if you look at the, the countries that have stated how much they actually want, I think there's around 11 or 12 countries now saying at least 55%. I think only two countries saying more than that, Denmark being Denmark being one of them. Uh, but then, of course, the rest of the countries uh, are below that. So, so there is still tough negotiations ahead. Also, I think it's important to remind listeners that even though the council normally takes decision, at least in theory, by co-decision in these issues, really it's difficult to see this not being a unanimous decision in the end. Uh, because uh, an NDC, which is what the European Union pledges to the United Nations, historically we make this as as unanimity uh, decisions. Would you would you agree to that? Yes, I would agree, and I think we have very good arguments from the Commission to do so uh, to to have an an, an fifty five at least fifty five percent target because they make an an assessment. We call it impact assessment. It is really an in depth in depth assessment of the environmental, of the economic, of the social impacts of a 55% target. And that uh, impact assessment concludes that an increased uh, to at least minus 55%, that would be econom economically beneficial for the EU. And I think that is a really good argument that we could say it don't 
hurts you. It, it is not bad for your economy. It is beneficial for all of us. And that's the way we should go. It is good for the environment as it's good for social impacts. And it's also good for the economy because we have a worldwide change. The Paris Agreement is not only for Europe. It is a worldwide agreement. And we see uh, China pledges that they want to do be carbon neutral in 2060. Uh, Japan said in 2050. South Korea is on the way. California we have a lot of uh, states who now say we want to have more and the EU has to deliver. We are so uh, good in, uh, in technical things. We are so good with our, uh, with our system of, of education. We could do, we, we are able to do. We have all we need to reduce uh, uh, CO2 uh, and then we have to do so. Obviously, This is so important that we have this target, but it's also uh, fair to say that this will only be the first step because then we'll have the legal framework, the, the, the climate law, we'll have the target. But then how to actually achieve the target is a different matter, of course, and we'll need legislation on European level there also. Can you maybe, and that will be my last question because I know that that, that you're so busy, but can you maybe say a few words about what are then the next steps? Um, I think we, we should agree in December on the target. That is very important that we have that target. And then it goes to the to our Environmental Council. Dan and I, we, we are in the Environmental Council. Then we will decide uh, the climate law with the target. And we have the rest of the climate law we, we already decided, but now it's the decision of, on, the, on the target. And after that, there will be a lot of proposals, laws uh, from the commission. They said that they would deliver uh, in the beginning of 2021, that we will see something from our European trading system, something about the heat sector, a lot of laws. And I think it's needed 50, 50 or more laws we will see then. And that is really, really important. But we need a target and then we need the way how to reach that target. That's the experience we have in, in uh, Germany. We have this Federal Climate Change Act and we have targets for, for each year for every sector. And we, now we need a similar system for the EU. We need to say what we do in transport, what we do in buildings, what we do in industry, what we do in energy to reduce CO2. What is the way and how we will finance it? And that's uh, what we do in the next year. Uh, a lot of work for all of us. And as if that wasn't difficult enough, we have to do it in the middle of uh, an unprecedented crisis, uh, the pandemic. So I wish you all the all the best with, with your hard work the next couple of months. And uh, rest assured that, that Denmark will support you in, in, in the work, obviously. Uh, and we cross our fingers for a good result in, in, in December. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time, Svenja. Thank you, Dan, and uh, hope to see you very soon again. Me too. Bye-bye. You've listened to Planet A, a podcast on climate change and what to do about it. If you want to know more about the climate policies of Denmark, you can follow my ministry, the Danish Ministry of Climate, Energy and Utilities, on social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.